So as I've mentioned, I'm an acting coach. And during lockdown, one of my film classes went on Zoom. And one of the young women who signed up is deaf. And um, she's also moved from Africa, so she doesn't speak English. And I was so excited to have her on board. I, I, yeah, I was so excited to have her in the class. But at the same time, I was so nervous. Um, I just, I didn't want to over acknowledge her disability, but I also didn't want to under acknowledge her disability within the class. Um, while also knowing that because of the language barrier and because she's deaf, her exercises would be very different to the rest of the class. I just felt so in over my head. And I just had a thought just come through my mind, be the student. And I, every lesson then, I just took that approach and it really did just give me, like, it was just kind of a one step at a t one day at a time kind of scenario. I thought by the end of the eight weeks that I would no longer be nervous, but I was nervous every week. And in a way, I was kind of glad for the nerves um, because it meant I wasn't getting comfortable with yeah, with, with a disability that I have no idea what, what that's like. And so with being a student, it just meant really listening to what she wanted to study. It meant um, she, she would usually have an interpreter with her, but because um, of lockdown, her mum uh, stepped in. And so we would have chats before each lesson. Um, and it was amazing asking, asking her and her mum um, what films, what scenes did she want to um, study? And the beautiful, oh, the beautiful scene work that came out of it was amazing. It was such a gift to the rest of the class as well um, because we realized how much meaning and story is created not through dialogue, but created so much through body language. In the end, I, I ended up setting them homework to look at certain scenes from films and turn the, the sound down and just see how much meaning you gain simply from watching the actors, from watching their eyes and how much story is told out of that. And I guess, yeah, the, the poor in spirit, I... I struggle generally um, to be poor in spirit. I have a fear of coming across as... I have a fear of not being quick enough, of not being smart enough. And so I, I because of that, I often want to look efficient. I try to be efficient. But in this scenario, it was like, armor down. I, I cannot do this. I, I can't lead her without listening. I have to be the student. Welcome to an Upside Down World. A podcast from Tear Fund Australia with your hosts, Joel McCarrow and Grace Naum. Week eight of an Upside Down World on Resurrection Sunday. And we have just heard this glorious story from Grace, uh, who has been our host uh, with myself all the way through this series. Um, what was the phrase that you just said? What was the key phrase that came across your mind? Be the student. Be the student. Be the student. It's such a beautiful way to begin this final reflection uh, for us, this final podcast episode, because um, that's what it's felt like throughout all of this, yes. whole, this whole last seven weeks is totally. putting ourselves um, in the place of being students and what I loved with your story then is you then not only were you the student but it actually changed how you engaged with the class as a whole mm. that you took this um, like reflecting on what you were learning from her and you translated that into the activity of turning off the sound and and like that idea that's massive that's huge because yeah. not only are you being vulnerable and humble enough to say this is not I I I don't understand what life would be like from yeah. this woman's perspective. 
but then to be able to learn from that enough to go, actually, let's broaden this out because none of us do. But what are the learnings we could have to be the students by listening so well and intently to um to the body language, to the the world that might be experienced by someone who can't. Absolutely. And I think it really um, emphasized how often we just rely on dialogue to tell the story. But what if it was just the salt and pepper? Actually, um, a coach, Miranda Hardcourt, speaks about um, the dialogue being the salt and pepper, but mm. but actually the the body language, the sound of the voice, that is the main meal. Mm. It's, it's the space between the text. Mm. And so, yeah, um, ha- having this young woman in the class absolutely... Um, Oh, it, it just absolutely highlighted that truth and, and what an what an opportunity to dig deeper into the meaning and the connection between one actor and another, mm. between one character, more importantly, and another. And probably your own, like it's got to speak into your own practice as well and your own process as well, especially in terms of embodiment. Like, mm. um, and, and listening as well, yeah. listening in a much deeper way. Um, to, yeah, to the physical um, body language. Yeah. For me, um, like as I kind of just briefly said before, this whole series like is beautifully summed up in that story Mm. of Be the Student and that idea of listening for me really sums up this whole series as well. That like it's just become increasingly clear Um in the past through my own creative work, how important listening is. is. Mm. And then in doing this, um, these last seven weeks with you, like all of these stories and listening, I just, I kind of feel like listening is the answer to so much. Absolutely. And I think listening gives you confidence to let go of control. And I think Mm. the most exciting Mm. things happen when we let go of control. Yeah. Which is exactly what so many of these Beatitudes are actually saying. Yes. Like it's when we, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who don't have the power. Yes. Um, Blessed are the The meek, meek, um, those who are, and blessed, like all of them seem to be speaking to this idea of letting go of power and letting go of control and letting go of the entitlement that we have and the... And the absolutes that we have mm. um, to come back to to that place of listening. Well, it reminds me of Chirapon from yes. our week oh, three. I think she was week I loved three. Her. Yeah, and talking about the idea of appreciative inquiry that um, that they, as an organisation, would go in um, renew world, world yeah, renew, world would go renew. in. Uh, to whatever culture, whatever whatever village they're going into within Laos. Mm. And their first thing is kind of exactly what you said in your story, be the student. Their first thing is you teach us. We will listen to you. Like yes. we'll be curious about what is happening in your in your space and in your village. And the very act of that is a letting go of their absolutes. Even if they think they know what the best community development is. Absolutely. Even if we think we know the best way to help someone, Mm. if we think we know the best way to come alongside someone who's going through pain in life or the best way in our social justice walks to yeah. come alongside those with marginalised voices, mm. the very first thing yes. that we have to do is shut the hell up yeah. and listen. And listen for a long time. Mm. And I think it's such an empowering thing because, one, people feel so valued when their story is truly heard. And, two, like the... Um, whatever aid group, it, aid organization it is, they're going to um, be helping and then they're going to leave. Like mm. it's so important during the process for these communities to feel like the leaders mm. and then to continue leading yeah. when the aid organization leaves. Yeah, and it's important for the aid organization to leave. That was interesting for me. One of the 
um, one of the poems that I got to write um, mm. was for Prashad, um, mm. who was the uh, the fellow who walks around on his hands, mm. um, which is incredible in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about um, when kind of the crew who from Tifan were over there and chatting with them, mm. the organisation that Tifan had been with there was about to pull out. Um, and intentionally pull out right. so that um, there wouldn't be any sense of reliance upon uh, yeah. the organisation coming in, but actually the empowerment that they had bought throughout their time within this um, within this village for the farmers in, in Nepal would to show, to kind of prove that that would be... Um, the strength of their whole work that they had done was actually mm. found within these people. And so instead of like they were saying so many people do kind of the, did this work? Was this a successful thing as mm. a project finishes? Mm. But they're like, no, 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 we need to go away for a year yeah, and then fine. say, did this yes. work? It, was this a project that worked well? Wow. Which I love that. So it's, so it's listening it's coming alongside mm. and the, and empowering and saying, actually, you're, it's your strength. You mm. are the meek one. Yes. You are the one um, all the, that all the Beatitudes speak to, that flip this idea of flexing. We talked about yes. flexing in that episode, that flip this idea of um, us Westerners who love to flex mm. our, our power, us Christians who love to flex our... Um, our opinion about God yes. and say, no, this is the way that it is. <laughs> like all of it is calling us to stop the flexing. Yes. Stop the flexing and start listening. Maybe we should have made that the, like the blurb <laughs> subtitle. <Yeah. laughs> stop the flexing stuff. Maybe it's an interesting visual <laughs> idea. <laughs> Just our biceps. My massive biceps. Um, I think though just... Speaking about listening, I feel so challenged um, about the importance of placing um, aside time regularly um, to to listen to who God is, mm. to listen to what the gospel means in our lives. Because if if I'm not doing it, then my fallback position is to start well. Yeah, to start flexing and, and to just get swept away by the expectations that are put on me as a woman in her early 30s in Western society. Mm. If I don't take time um, to really digest mm. um, what the life that Jesus is calling me to, then, then I am absolutely facing oh, um, I've got to buy a house and yeah. and get married and all of those things. And they're not bad things, obviously, yeah. but, but that is not where true living is. It's not where true connection is, mm. meaning. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and it is. It, it feels like with so many of the guests um, that we spoke to that they intentionally place um, aside time mm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, uh, yeah, it reminds me of well, like growing up in uh, evangelical circles. Oh yeah. yeah, like we didn't. I wasn't taught how to listen well. I wasn't taught how to listen well. I was taught how to fill silences with prayer. Wow. And I was taught how to fill, um, fill my mind with scripture mm. in a way that was very, um, I don't know, like bullet points in a way that was very like this is how you use scripture to argue a point and to say no this is this scripture proves this as proof points as like proof text rather than actually um we have not been taught how to sit and just sit and Mm. not have to fill that space with prayer yes but actually the prayer is in the silence and in that silence and meditation where we meet god that's when our ego structures that's when our um because we too like again when we read the bible we too easily can go well yep got that and i know that and i can prove that and that like we we are so we think we are so um we think we're so smart (laughs) In the Western world, and we think we have theology down. We think we've got it nailed, and this is this yes. means this, and this means that, and that means that. But actually, these 
practices. It's, it was one of the major things that stood out to me, ex- exactly what you're saying from all of those interviews, the practice of stepping aside, mm. stepping down, listening to others and being willing to listen in the secret space. I forget who talked about the secret space. I think that yes. was... Um, I think it was, was it Jacinta. It was Jacinta. Oh, Jacinta talked about the secrets, mate, and and Chirapon talked about um, how she would spend most mornings by the river, oh, that river that she escaped yes. across when she was a five-year-old, and now comes back to, and that is her place where she gets to meet God in the silence and just listen and listen and listen. And that mm. shapes her. I mean, that image in and of itself. Talk about Resurrection Sunday, like mm. for, <laughs> to, for this moment of fleeing of death, fleeing of war, f- fleeing across that river as a five-year-old to then see that totally redeemed mm. by her heart to go back to the place that she fled from and to set herself up there as the very place where she would bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, or she would join uh, God in bringing the kingdom. Like, that is incredible. Mm. That redemptive story for me is blindingly beautiful. Yeah. Um, in so many different ways. And, and one of those ways is that she was willing to constantly, to come back to that place, to constantly let it, be the place that shapes her in terms of that secret place, that listening place to God. Yes, yes. Mm. And I think um, I've just imagined God sitting more (laughs) and, like, sitting with us. First it it came with Uncle Ray um, speaking about, like, God as the empathetic God and sitting beside him um in deep grief yeah and and also if we are trusting in jesus then our ability to listen and sit in the uncertainty of what we're hearing Mm. which is so it can be so uncomfortable um but the importance of of doing that Mm. in order to really continue um to grasp the detail of the situation mm. um, being shared. The God who sits. I was thinking. The of God like, who sits. I was thinking of like the, um, you know, the, all the sayings of God, the names of God that we have, like yeah. Elohim and Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I wonder what the, the Hebrew of the God who sits is. But I really like it. I really, because often, again, often we think of God as warrior, God as king, dominant power, but actually exactly. the movement of the cross of Easter where we are right now mm. is the opposite of that. It's the yes. God who sits in the dust and the dirt, uh, goes beyond that, who sits in oh, the I blood, yes. the blood and the spit and the violence of history of our world and says, actually, mm. that's where I'm going to meet you. Yes. Like, and, I'm and, going to meet you in that sitting place. Yes. That's amazing. And in Lent, I mean, we as a society, we – glorify doing, 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 Mm. like being utterly productive. But Lent is calling us to intentionally anticipate um, the the death and resurrection of Jesus. It means Mm. sitting still. It means sitting with our brokenness, but also um, the knowledge that he sees it completely. Yeah. He sees us completely. He also listens to us so it attentively and and he gives us hope that completely renews yeah the conversation between God and I that yeah. renews the relationship that renews like hope yeah. for the world yeah. for the land my goodness and what uh, what's striking me right now as well is if God is the God who sits with us in the dust mm. which is what the cross and Easter is all about mm. um, then it's in that place that Jesus came and was most um, was bloodied and beaten by both sides, by all sides. Mm-hmm. Like it's reminding me that um, the to step into a place where you're not arguing either side, mm. but you're actually li- not just listening, but sitting in the muck of it all. Yes, it's a place 
where you will be persecuted, which is bringing us to today's thing as well. It reminds me of um, of what we're talking about exactly today in terms of this final beatitude, the eighth mm. beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or in the message, it says you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Mm. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And there's another beautiful um, reflection on this, an Aramaic translation. Um, Well, a, a possible translation of the Aramaic by a guy named Neil Douglas Klotz. He says this, happy and right on time are those who draw shame for their pursuit of peace between all the conflicting voices. They realize their part in the vision that rules all creation. Hmm. I love this idea that um, the Christ, God, came, sat, listened, Hmm. sat in the blood and muck and spitting of of history Hmm. and on the cross sat there and took that persecution, like sat there between all of the voices. Yes. (laughs) And when we have our obsession with being right and we have our obsession with absolutes and we have our obsession with no, my way is the right way to understand God, to understand life, to do development, to do Mm. justice, to do all this kind of thing. And then you have the people on the other side saying, no, my way is the right way. It's like God comes down in the midst of that. That. And, And it's that third way the alternative way, the middle way between the competing voices demanding that they're right, Mm. that's probably where you're going to get most persecuted from both sides. Like I, in the times in my life when I have stepped into that place Mm. where I have been a voice of um, critique or a voice of challenge to both progressive and conservative, mm-hmm. to both right and left, mm. to to both those who are pro-life and those who are pro-choice. To mm. like it's when I, I find when I've sat between competing parties and tried to call all of us forward, like to try to live out that third way of let's actually stop and listen and sit with those who are most marginalized and persecuted in this place, whatever the argument might be. Like I think of my friend um, Helen Parker who runs the Babes Project that works with um, women who are going through some kind of crisis pregnancy. And um, she, as an organization, they come in and they they help them through the first year of of kind of having a baby or whatever, or if the parent doesn't or if the mother chooses not to go through with the pregnancy, they come and they, they stand alongside them and help them. And they... And she says yeah. they will not say whether they're pro-life or pro-choice mm. because as soon as they say that, a teenage girl who hears that's, that this organisation is this way, mm. if this teenage girl doesn't come to them for help, wow. then they've missed the point. They've yes. lost the point. So much rather they would sit in the middle mm. and there they would try to be the kingdom of God in that place. And there they get persecuted from both sides, wow. from pro-life and pro-choice. Yeah. Um, but there they actually do the work. So they, yeah. and, and so she says in reference to that kind of reality in our world, she says, unless you have, um, unless you're actively engaged in helping women going through crisis pregnancy, mm. then just stop. Wow. Stop arguing your side sit in the middle mm. and listen and be exactly where Jesus was, persecuted for the right things, persecuted for righteousness' sake, because that's where the kingdom of heaven lies in the middle. Wow. Mm. Wow. It feels like that organization, Babes, isn't pro-life or pro-choice. They're pro-individual, like yeah. really deeply listening to the to the individual, to their story. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I um, have loved working with Tia as well, because Tia Fun tries to do exactly the same thing, to sit actually with the people Mm. in the midst of whatever they're going through. And instead of coming in as the people with the answers, it's sitting in the the midst of it all with the people most suffering and, and asking, how can we love? How can we love? How can we love? 
and and as well facing persecution from all sides because of that. Yeah. Um, but I like, and in the midst of that, it, that's where we find the kingdom of God. And I think there's two elements that stop us from doing this generally. It's um, a lack of time because listening takes so much time, yeah. and how uncomfortable it can be mm. to to sit with. Um, people's stories, Um, particularly sitting with stories that are so different to our own. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's intimidating. It's uncomfortable. It is. And it's exactly the place we need to be. Yeah. I I wonder if we're so addicted to comfort in our society that that part of walking out the kingdom of God is actually leaning into the uncomfortable Mm. and allowing ourselves to feel to feel that stuff come up in us, yes. that uncomfortableness, that, oh, that's different to what I know or feel or think. Yes. And not trying to then barge our way through with our opinion, perspective, et cetera, et cetera, but actually be present in the uncomfortableness. Absolutely. And mm. part of the barging is is a need to barge. It's a fear of, yeah. of sitting. I can't sit in this anymore yeah. longer, so let me barge in and, and control it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, as a creative grace, I'm wondering for you, like you're an actor mm. um, and uh, have... Um, in, in many ways for you, begun the last few years, your kind of justice journey. Yeah. Um, how do you, how does this speak to, I suppose, the interplay? Because I'm a poet and et cetera, et cetera, all the different things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that interplay of where creativity kind of intersects with, um, with justice in our world. What, yeah. I'm wondering what the, how this speaks to and what the place of this intersection is for you. What does that mm. look like? How, what, what thoughts does this bring up about how creativity speaks into justice? It's all about storytelling. Hmm. And I just so believe in the power of storytelling. Hmm. Um, it, it's what we go home and watch after after a long day of work, mm. uh, we, and I don't think Australians we really realize how much we rely on stories. Mm. And I, I, I freaking love acting because it's, it allows me to, to do a work that deeply values empathy oh. and there's never enough empathy in the world and i think if we if we take the time to really as we keep saying listen to people's stories then i think f- the future is deeply affected by that mm-hmm. um listening and empathy through storytelling i just don't know for me Whenever I'm telling a meaningful story, it just feels like there's nowhere else that I should have been that day. Huh. And, and, and I think for people to leave the theatre or people to leave the lounge room in which they've watched a film, mm. to f- if, if they feel less alone by, by the end of that film or play, that is, that's amazing. Mm. Um, and you feel less alone when you see the familiar, when you see yourself in other people. Um, and I think in terms of mm. creativity um, and, and merging creativity with justice, I have a real desire to amplify the humanity of those who are suffering. Mm. Because I think so often, you know, we we kind of compartmentalize and it's like, oh, well, um, these people in Africa are really hungry, but it's just a completely different experience. But no, like they are human just as we are mm-hmm. human. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we, yeah, if we amplify the humanity, amplify the universality of our life experiences, mm. then we are way more likely to unify um, as a global community. Yeah. I love the idea that you're talking about there uh, in terms of the community that it brings us to, like Mm. that empathy and listening Mm. leads us and storytelling and story listening leads us to 
to community. And I love it in terms of like coming back to the Beatitudes that we start the Beatitudes with um, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for they will um, inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. And then we end it with blessed are the persecuted for they they will inherit the kingdom of God. Like the there's a bookend of the kingdom of heaven. And if a kingdom at some point, I think I said this in, in our thing as well, if a kingdom is is the domain of the king, the realm of the king, it's yes. it's the society of the king, the community of the king. And so yes. to, I love how this, and it's significant when things are bookended in, in yeah. structurally within the scriptures because um, it means that everything within that is kind of contained, everything within the bookend is contained within these um, within this concept. And so everything, yes. all of these Beatitudes are contained within the kingdom of heaven. Like they're held within this, this community of heaven, this alternative upside down mm. community where mm. empathy and listening and storytelling and story listening and love yes. sit at the heart of it, not flexing, being meek, or yes. in spirit, being merciful, all of these things that the Beatitudes call us to, they're calling us to be better as community. Yes. They're calling us to love one another, to put love in action. It's just, it's hilarious. It's hilarious <laughs> that love in action first calls us to in action mm. in the sense of love in action calls us to sit and listen. Yes. Like that's the not to not to firstly step forward, but actually to sit and listen. And in that place, wow. out of that, I mean, that's active in in and of itself. Actually, maybe that's even more active for us Westerners <laughs> too, because yes. our first our first thing is no, come in and fix, fix, fix. Yeah. So it's actually love in action is forcing ourselves because mm. I know I have to choose to do this. Like I have to choose to stop. Yeah. Not try to solve the problem. Not try to think I know this person, these people. This I have the answers because I've done this study in mm. whatever it might be. Um, force myself, that's the first action, isn't it? Forcing myself to stop and sit and listen. And out of that beautiful kingdom community Mm. flourishes. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, the repetition of that blessing, Mm. um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it, it suggests that, when you are persecuted in that um, final beatitude, that then the cyclical nature of it, mm. that in that moment, I don't, I absolutely cannot do this on my own. And so you go back to the first beatitude. Yeah. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow. Yeah. And, and so on the cycle continues. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to think of it. That the repetitive cycle of this calls us back to the start again, back to back to poverty and mourning and weeping. Yes, and but holding. going deeper each time. Yeah, what a journey we have to be on. Like yes. what a journey this is calling us to. Because what it means is we never we never get there. Like yes. this, is, this is the discipleship journey. This is the journey of our lives. Is totally that we continually go back to the beginning. Mm. We continually go back to being poor in spirit, to mourning, weeping, meek, being meek, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and never thinking we have it together. Yes. Um, but but going back to the childlike mind mm. that is beginning again and again and again and never having it nailed. And is there a more valuable journey like it just Mm. I've I feel like I've looked past the Beatitudes Mm. so often Mm. in my faith walk and what a gift it's been um to just delve so deeply into what like it's just it's such an intuitive I don't even know what the word is Mm. Nope, gone. But I think we get it. I think we we all get exactly what you're saying, trying to say um, what this calls us to. In many ways it is unspeakable. Like in many ways it is because it's not a blueprint that's too formulaic. Yeah. It's it's bigger than a map. Um, Mm. It is this sense of calling but it gives us 
the way forward in our calling. It's and a posture. It's organic. It's alive. Like it's this. It's this community. It's this family. It's the body working together. It's yes. all the things that Christ talks about in terms of the kingdom of heaven mm. um, and seeing that be a reality on this earth and seeing that what this calls us to. I truly believe after these conversations that what this calls are the the kingdom to what this calls us as Christians to, mm. if we actually lived this out and stepped yeah. this out, the world would be changed. <laughs> the world, this divisive, like we started many weeks ago talking about we need that in this very divisive world we need a way forward Mm. and positing that perhaps the Beatitudes is our way forward and I have no doubt, um, I have no doubt that it is because it's our way forward because it's it's in in repetition of um, what I said in one of the episodes, that beautiful community Kingdom of Heaven community down in Melbourne, the Transfiguration community. Oh, yes, I love this. To disarm the world, we first need to disarm our own hearts. Mm. When we live that out, when we are willing to let the Beatitudes disarm who we are, disarm our hearts and all the walls and all the defences and all the attacks and all the flexing and all all that kind of stuff, the Kingdom of Heaven is here and blessed is that kind of community yes and that first beatitude makes the rest of it Mm. accessible yeah yeah we're not okay and that's okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) grace this has been wonderful this eight weeks it's been extraordinary i've learned a lot i've grown a lot Mm. Um, i have thought a lot about the beatitudes Mm. Um, it's been a beautiful journey Um, yeah thank you so much to listen and try to embody in some sense by us listening to these conversations with all these different people from around the world yeah to embody exactly what we're talking about here yes Um, Thank you so much to Joel and thank you to all our listeners. It's been just such a joy doing this journey with you. Yeah, thank you. I hope that you can go out and love well, love in action, love Mm. well, and to see this upside down world um, become a reality. Mm, May it be. May it be indeed. And if you're listening to this and and really wanting to actually take actual (laughs) steps into living this stuff out, Tifund really is such an amazing organization to do this with um we all of so many of the connections and the interviews and stuff that you've heard have been from tier fund partners and people that are engaged with tier fund um the the work of james uh within afghanistan the all our reflections about kind of sitting with people in the reality of their lives and listening well and being present to them um, is so much the heartbeat of Tear Fund and what they're on about. And so if you're if you're wanting to support an organisation like that, uh, if you're wanting to get behind and work out different ways that you can actively engage uh, in supporting people around the world, um, we'd love you to get connected to Tear Fund. Uh, if you go to www.tearfund.org.au, there's heaps of different stuff there that you can look at in, in terms of ways that you can get engaged and, and keep living this out. So it's not just a podcast you're listening to. It's not just something we're talking about, but it's something you actually engage with. And what a beautiful opportunity because I feel like we've been taking in these conversations. We've been um, really digesting what Tear Fund is doing. And I think such a beautiful and important part of the process is not just inhaling this information mm. and these experiences, mm-hmm. but also being able to exhale it. You've, I've been inspired, and then and then to be able to um, to respond in some way, whether that's simply through praying for what Tear mm. Fund is doing or mm-hmm. giving financially, um, and just learning um, even further about the detail in what Tear Fund is doing over the various projects. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's also like the sense of this this can be a really lonely journey. Like yes. it's the to take this stuff seriously, to engage in um, turning our world upside down mm. can be lonely and really hard. And so connecting with a community and Tier Fund beautifully is that mm. community of people seeking to bring change to this world. Um, 
can be a wonderful thing totally to come alongside people and have people come alongside you Mm. to to help you engage with this. We are about to finish this whole thing off, this whole podcast. Mm. Um, We have come to the end, but we do have two final surprises for you, our wonderful listeners. Um, We have a poem and a song. We might even finish off with this. So this will be the final time you hear from us hosts. Hasn't it been fun? Have you enjoyed this hosting? So great. So great. Really amazing. A a beautiful experience for both of us. Um, Mm. The final poem, in fact, is kind of us trying to summarize, essentially, to bring a whole lot of these thoughts we've been sharing in this episode together and bring it together with with our reflections on some of the other episodes, um, Mm. just as a way for you to to have a final kind of creative engagement with this. So we'll have hear this poem and then we're going to hear a song. Is that right? Absolutely. Guys, I'm so excited. I think one of the beautiful things that has come out of this podcast is um, people's responses, both um, just verbally, but also creatively. Um, And we're going to play for you now a song that has come. um, Susanna Carter is an incredible artist. Um, She's on Instagram and all those social platforms. Um, But she has written a song that was in response to the first two podcasts. And honestly, when I first listened to it, I just got shivers. It's it's beautiful. It's so honest Mm. and vulnerable. Um, and we're so excited to be able to um, include it on the episode. So thank you so much to Susanna Carter. Um, mm. And the song is called Weeping God. We're out. We are out. That's we love it. you, friends. Happy enjoy Easter. The, enjoy the poem and the song. Woohoo. See you around the wo- world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You don't know what? Well, I'm realising I don't know much. Yeah, me neither. But I suppose what I'm learning is perhaps that's actually the best way to be. Well, I'm just tired. Of what? Tired of racing ahead, of trying to keep things under control and maintain control. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just tired. So you're tired and I don't know much... We're off to a great start. A portrait artist. She sits and she studies. She researches the subject, scribbling down her history, listening, note-taking, not talking. She is breathing in the subject's longings, their loves, their fears. So when she starts, She captures not just form, not just line and colour. She is grasping the spirit of the subject, the heartbeat of what lies beneath, the concealed colours that surface only because she has slowed down enough to listen to what is wordless. Have you ever listened to the silence? To what is not said, but is always still there, pressing through into reality, to the truth that lies underneath the facts, to the people who are so much more than just another opinion to denounce or to rail against, to the God who is waiting in the unspoken. O beloved broken, may we stop climbing over others in our conversations just to gain control. May we stop running from conflicting opinions, stop jumping to black and white conclusions, the delusions of spiritual grandeur, our blind insecurities and that constant need for control, for protection, to prove the worth of my own intellect. But what unknown languages may we learn when we just stop, be present and sit? Just sit in the silence, sit. Be the student, sit to be the student. The one with no armor, unarmed and empty handed, sit. It's so uncomfortable though, here in the not knowing. But gradually, in the slowness of sitting, Her kindness greets me in the waiting. Her deep care sits beside me. Her empathy pronounces a warm good morning. 
the motherly affection of God kisses my forehead and her sacrificial love washes my cold feet and holds my worn out mind and draws me close to heartbeat, heartbeat. I speak too much, too soon, too blindly, too confident in my own knowing, speaking the cheap language of absolutes. But the artist, in her doing, in her painting, in her portrait, she does not make a mark until she knows that every brush stroke stems from her scribbling, listening, note-taking, not talking. She is breathing in the subject's longings, their loves, their fears, this, the very definition of compassion. To breathe in the longing and fear of this world and translate it into love through our empathy. How much to give of ourselves in empathy to the bloodied and beaten, the weakened, the spat on, splat on the canvas, muddied, ripped and torn. This canvas was never meant to hang in priceless galleries. This canvas is humanity and holds the gravity of redemptive history. The master painter is God. She sits with her people and listens to their pain, paints suffering alongside celebration, where the light and the shadow meet. She paints bridges in Mozambique, weeping willows in Sudan. In Rajasthan, she paints sweeping dark cloud shadows in a dawning morning. The mountaintops of Nepal, a man walking on his hands. She paints courage in Mumbai, bread made from gritty reality and falsity. She paints Atana in West Papua and Radiate in Ethiopia. She paints me, she paints you with a nuanced detail of a God who is not afraid to get messy hands and bloody hands and pierced hands to paint the canvas with blood, with his blood. Are we not all a masterpiece painted in love? Are we not all a masterpiece painted in love? So you're tired. And I still don't know much. And that's okay. Let us sit long enough in the mud to see her brush strokes, to trace the shapes of their faces with our fingers and find the courage to let our five senses roam in foreign fields, to swim in the unfamiliar, to sit in the face of difference with curiosity and empathetic wonder. Are we not all a masterpiece painted in love, every detail in love? Are we not all a masterpiece painted in love, every detail in love? Every detail in love. 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 Every detail in love.
So. Oh.